debt was out of control, ruined relationships, just being a drunk. And I remember one night I snorted a couple eight balls of cocaine with another guy. I remember I was in the ho I was in the room by myself, and I put the blanket over my head like I was hiding from somebody, like from God, right? And I was like, something has to give. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you once again. And uh, we are here on this episode of Testimony Tuesday with a very special guest, personal friend of mine, and a great opportunity to have him with us. It's uh, Pastor Adam McFeeters. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. You are, uh, you are someone who uh, I know pretty well, and uh, we've had we've had a you know pretty good relationship over the years. You have been a part of our church here in Virginia Beach, and uh, I know that you have uh, an amazing testimony of what God has done in your life. So I'm excited to share that for you to share that with the audience today. So thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, sure thing. I definitely uh, have good memories of about almost about four years in Virginia Beach. So that was that was awesome. A lot of ministry there and a lot of good things. Well, yeah, we sure miss you guys and your family, and but we're also glad to see you uh, stepping into some destiny and pioneering and all that good stuff. But um, why don't you take the time first of all to uh, give yourself the little conference introduction and uh, share with our audience for those who don't know you where you're serving and how long you've been there and what's the latest okay so as of current um i'm down here in uh, wesley chapel florida and i got announced last last year in march to come down here and begin pioneering and so we headed out in june on june 20th we packed the u-haul drove 14 hours uh, left at like two in the, we preached that Sunday night. I preached that Sunday night, left at two o'clock in the morning on Monday morning and got here at about, uh, 4 PM on, uh, on that, that day on the 20th of June. And we just had a great, we just got here. Um, the property manager came, was witnessing to him in the garage and, and he, you know, he said a sinner's prayer and the cable guy came to set up the internet cause I, I telework. So I needed to have Wi-Fi right away. He came, you know, same thing, like I'm just hit the ground running. We had a Bible study the first Thursday. So three days later, we had a Bible study and we had um, two men and, a ch and one, of the guy, one of the guy's grandson come and uh, just started doing Bible studies right off the bat. We have uh, had a lot of flyers, that, uh, like 
business card type flyers, but it was something that started, just had a phone number. It was pretty generic, but um, we, uh, yeah, got right, right into uh, pioneering, got settled, and um, we started having, we started actually meeting in these, uh, this outdoor tiki huts in like uh, the summer, like July and August, like it's like 95 degrees, you know, and it feels much hotter. And I'm out there just covered in sweat, doing a song service and, and preaching under this little tiki hut. Uh, you can only imagine. Um, but it was exciting. I might, of course, I, you know, we didn't go long on those ones, but uh, people, God always sent families. We had fa uh, multiple families at every single time we were out there. And then um, the, uh, they had a stage there too, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us use it. And then eventually one day at the exact time I start, some gentleman gets out of a truck and goes into a, a a trailer and blasts some loud secular music, and so I'm like, <laughs> I can't preach with Bon Jovi singing over my shoulder. <laughs> so, living our yeah. prayer. <laughs> so we we moved to the house that day for that service, and then uh, I was like, all right, I, I've got to find something. So we started in a hotel October first, October second of uh, 2022. And um, every Sunday morning since then, we've been in the in the Fairfield Inn here in Wesley Chapel, and uh, it's been great. We've we've um, seen a lot of people coming through, getting saved. We have a Bible study at our home, a midweek Bible study, so we're doing that. Um, in between, had some really excellent opportunities to go to the sister churches throughout this region and preach like their Sunday night service. They'd invite me to come and do their Sunday night service and um, it helped me to fellowship with other pastors in the fellowship and their churches. It was, it was just a tremendous blessing. So I've been doing that. And uh, now we're just, you know, we're doing the same thing. We've actually had, we had a guest pastor in January, uh, pastor Philip Berendrette, the assistant in Norfolk came um, just for a weekend, Friday night. Uh, we did it in our home and we had like 15 people in our home. It was Praise God. That's yeah, awesome. The acoustics man. were pretty interesting. <laughs> and so was the, so was the chair set up, you know, but we just made it work. We did what we could. And, um, and then we had just recently had, um, pastor Joe Rice come for a Thursday and Friday night healing crusade. And so Thursday night we saw five visitors, four people get prayed for healing. Friday night we saw 11 visitors, um, nine got prayed for healing and two, two saved, two answered the altar call. And then we concluded it with a Sunday morning healing crusade as well at the church, just to use the same flyer. And we had, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, six visitors, four saved and four also got prayed for healing. And so, uh, one notable testimony was that on, uh, I believe it was Thursday night, the first night, one of the ladies from our church, uh, her name is Miss Mona, and um, I'm starting to call her, uh, what, uh, Molly Bruno. I don't know if you're familiar with the war, the war room. Uh, and there was a lady behind oh, yeah, the story, the course, Molly Bruno. Yeah. yeah, so uh -huh, she's yeah. our prayer warrior, uh, you know, grandma. And so she um, went up for prayer. She had a lot of pain in her knees and in her neck, and she got prayed for, and, like, all the pain left. Um, so Sunday morning I had to give a testimony. And so instead of her taking her walker up to the front, she just walked up to the front and took the microphone and gave a testimony. Wow. And I was like, see what God's doing, you know? And, um, 
it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've got some good advice to go ahead and have some fun. You know, because after um, being military for all those years, you know, kind of keeping the, the upper lip stiff and all that. You know, got to remind myself smile, have some fun. But we're all happy. We're we're doing good. Christina and uh, Angela, Abby, Bella, and Rocky are here as well. The kids. Yes. And for those who are not familiar, where is Wesley Chapel located in Florida? Wesley Chapel is about 30 minutes north of Tampa. So it's right, it's the next suburb outside of Tampa. Got it. Got it. Well, that's very exciting, um, Adam, and we're, we're – uh... Rejoicing. Uh, I, I want to just sh share with the audience that uh, you and your family were such a blessing to our congregation here. And uh, yeah, we really missed you when you were gone. But, uh, you know, it was a it was a great opportunity for you to be with us and uh, to be a good example to other guys in our church. And, you know, when you were active duty and all that stuff. So uh, we really appreciate you guys. And it's it's really a joy for for us to see you uh, thriving down there. So. Um, uh, before we uh, before we talk a little bit more about all of the miracles, um, I'm curious to hear some more about your background. Now, I, I I have heard your testimony many times, but I've only heard the uh, you know the three to five minute version. That's the, you know hurry up, you're on the clock. Yeah. Um, so what I what I would love to hear is a little bit more about your family background and how you grew up, how and where. I know you're from uh, Pennsylvania, but um, why don't you share a little bit about your uh, your family life and what you were like as a kid? All right. Um, so my earliest memories, um, so my father and mother, they got divorced when I was very young. Um, I think I must have been, I was less than five. I was probably like three or four maybe. Um, I remember like uh, before, like around the time they did or before they did, um, they used to have these like, uh, big parties at the house. Um, you know, I, you know, I smell, you know, weed smoke and they made this like homemade, like, I don't know, wine or something. I don't know what it was, but they were, my parents were both hippies. And so they're from that hippie generation and, um, they ended up having the divorce. So then, um, I initially, I went with my mother and, um, but we weren't too far from where my dad lived, probably like 45 minutes or so. And so we would see him all the time. Um, and, but with my mom, things were very unstable. So for, probably from age five to, to age 12, 12 is when I actually moved with my father at age 12. But during those years, I probably changed schools about eight, seven, eight times. Wow. So yeah, it was a lot of like moving around and kind of, her being like single mom instability, me and my brother were there. Um, so we really wanted to move with my dad. Well, see, my mom, she got saved um, when I was probably about uh, eight or 10, maybe. And so she got radically saved, like, like legitimately saved. She went uh, to this church um, called, um, I think it was called World Christian Outreach or something like that over there in uh, Connellsville, Uniontown, Pennsylvania area, like right outside of Pittsburgh. And um, she, uh, 
had us, but me and my brother, we always wanted to move with my dad because he was stable and he had a house and he was and every and he had a pool in the yard and all these and he had a big yard and we had some childhood friends over there. So we always wanted to go over there. Well, lo and behold, we got what we wanted. Um, but it it was not good. Um, we got over there. My dad is not saved. He's still not saved. Never, he never gave his life to Christ. And so he um, didn't discipline us. We did what kind of whatever we wanted. Um, early on, I got into um, drinking alcohol, you know, and in my early teenage years, getting drunk and stuff like that. I, age 14, I drank a half bottle of wild turkey and I almost died, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. It was uh, just a matter of, thank God I didn't like choke on my own vomit and die. You know, it was pretty bad. Wow. But, um, and then I remember that. And I think my dad called my mom because she literally came over the next day and she hardly ever came over. Did you have to go to the hospital for that? I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't, but I was extremely sick and I knew I had a lot of high, uh, like alcohol. Now I look back, I knew I had alcohol poisoning. And I remember how growth like gross my thoughts were towards alcohol right then and there and i was like this stuff is nasty i'll never have it again i felt mm. so bad but after it wore off in a couple weeks or maybe a couple months all of a sudden i i started desiring it started having a taste for it so i initially like hated it like never again this is uh but then all of a sudden it, it created something in me and I became like a really heavy drinker. I was always drinking to the point of that, like passing out, you know, throwing up, um, just, just all kinds of stuff. And, you know, through high school and college, which didn't last long because of that. Um, <laughs> but like in high school, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was well liked in, in the school. I was, I was a basketball player, um, from middle, well, from sixth grade, ever since I moved in with my dad, I played basketball, um, junior high, high school, you know, I was like all conference. Did, did he encourage that? He did. He liked basketball a lot. Yeah, yeah. he, he did. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, drinking alcohol is illegal for people under 21. Um, so I'm just curious, like, how did how did you get your hands on it all the time? Well, we were from outside of the city. My dad lived more pretty much in a rural area. So um, people out there, they really didn't care. They would people really? would get it for you. Older kids mm. would get it for you. It was just like. We always, always seem to find a way. <clears throat> so, so your, your dad doesn't seem like he really, he, he didn't really uh, stop you from, from messing around with all that. No, he didn't. Um, pretty much our family was all kind of pro, pro alcohol, you know, I mean, the family reunions were filled with the, just a bunch of binge drinking and I mean, he drank all the time. So. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, I guess it would have been hypocritical. I mean, obviously it was illegal, so he probably should have said no and did something about it and put a harder foot down. But I don't know at the time he just couldn't, couldn't get me to stop. I was def definitely, um, just 
driving that train out of control. Uh, how much older are you than your brother? I'm assuming you're the older no, brother. No, he's the older brother. He's the older, yeah. so you're the baby of the family. Any other brothers and so sisters? So he's 18 months older than me. Um, my my father okay. remarried, and, and the lady had a daughter that was two months younger than me, so about the same age. So mm -hmm. uh, my stepmother, Cordy, and my uh, stepsister, Carissa, and then, then my dad and her had a baby who, uh, my youngest sister that's eight years younger than me, uh, Rebecca. So, yeah, we all grew up together. Okay. Um, you know, well, I, like I said, I was in high school and, and I was just kind of, I was, I was that good example that everybody liked. I got good grades. I, I did uh, good in sports. I got along with everybody. I didn't get caught at most of the stuff, you know, nobody knew about all the stuff I was doing. And so I was kind of like a closet alcoholic, you know, and, and then I got into weed really bad too in high school. Like, um, wow. It was like a regular regular thing for a few years yeah so uh, you said it, it was kind of a, a closet thing so this was not really a party activity you were doing this on your own or just with a well no no I, I was doing it but I think like what I'm, I guess um, older the older people weren't finding out like I would do it with all my friends but like I think you know other people just were like, oh, this kid's like a good kid. He's like a, per you know, he's he's not a bad kid doing bad things. And I was definitely a bad kid doing bad things. Mm. I'm not, I don't think that's funny now. Wow. I, I I laugh because right. it's just, what else can you do at this point? <laughs> yeah. What do you do? You look at that as uh, you know, having having some years of experience now. Do you, do you, do you see that that was some maybe a family curse? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know how it came about. Um, probably maybe the hippie generation, my dad and mother, um, uh, my grandparents, one grand, one grandparents were, um, in Ligonier PA and they were, uh, I guess they were Christian, but then the other ones in Latrobe were Presbyterian, which is kind of like a religious Christian group, you know? So, um, but, so then they stayed, both of them stayed married all the way till they died, you know, but then my parents, they got divorced and, um, and that's, you know, that whole generation kind of, kind of started that, um, rebellious. Movement. So <laughs> yeah, totally. When, when, uh, your, your dad was, uh, maybe not, you know, putting, putting as much control on you as you probably needed. But where was your mom in all of this? You, you still had contact with her? Yeah, I still had con contact with her, and uh, she was praying for me. Um, and, you know, she was, you know, going to another church, like, you know, she was like 45 minutes away. And, uh, you know, she, yeah, she was there. I didn't see her as much. Like, she didn't have, you know, much money, so she couldn't really come around. Um, like when it was the other way and I was with her, my dad was picking me up regularly, but then whenever I was with my dad, she was only, she wasn't coming around that often, you know, but she was always very thoughtful. Yeah. She was very loving. Um, she still is. Yeah. And what about your brother? Was he caught up in, in this stuff also? Yes. Yeah. He and I, um, we did a lot together. Um, we were pretty close. 
and we still are pretty close, uh, actually. Um, yeah. He he got saved before I did. Really? I did so not know he that. He got saved. I think it was around 2001, um, and I got saved in around 2007. So um, he would come around, and he wouldn't really. He, you know, he by his example, he wouldn't do the same things that I was still doing. So he, um, he, I think he would witness to me a little bit, but I, I was just totally un, like, you know, un, un, it would just go over my head probably. You know, I wasn't open to it at all. Do you, uh, do you ever remember having any spiritual influence on you, like maybe from your mom? Like when she got saved, do you ever remember hearing the gospel or understanding anything about Jesus? Yeah. In fact, whenever I was living after she got saved and until I moved with my dad for a couple years, I was going with her to that church, you know, and a lot of times I would just kind of like, I remember sleeping under the pew. <laughs> uh, she would go to, you know, the morning service and the evening service and probably the midweek evening service too, I think. And, um, but I remember learning about, you know, some Bible stories, David and Goliath, you know, um, Noah's Ark, you know, the kind of standard ones. I learned all those. And um, I actually remember uh, one time we were at a, a church service and I must have been 10 or 12, like I said, somewhere around there, probably 10 about this time, because this was an, this was the first when we moved to this area called Uniontown. This guy had a church. And half of the church was in a, was a uh, a room that was the assembly room, and then the other half was his home that he lived in and had a downstairs. And so, I guess the, the the half that was the assembly, I don't know if it was the addition or what, but you know it had pews in it. It was, from what I remember, it was just a, just a nice little church there. Um, and uh, she looked at me one time during a service and said, um, you're going to be a preacher one day. And so I kind of feel like that was the Holy Spirit. Your mom, said, mom that? said that. And I kind of feel like that was the Holy Spirit speaking through her because she's told me millions of things and I've forgotten nine. You know, I've, there's so many that I forgot. But then you remember crystal clear something that was told to you when you were, you know, 10 years old in this little church. And it's always like stuck heavy, you know, it's so, yeah. Wow. So that was something that I, uh, I took away from that. So, okay. So fast forwarding then to the, the time of your life as a teenager, you're kind of going astray and letting the alcohol, uh, control you basically. Um, did you, uh, did you ever get in real trouble or, you know, think that it was going to be worse than it got? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was very, very bad. I was, uh, I would, I was, you know, stealing a lot of things that weren't mine. Um, you know, I was driving a lot. I mean, all my friends, like I've got friends that have got three DUIs, two DUIs, you know, they get ankle bracelets, all this stuff. And here I am, I, I never got caught, you know, but I probably drove while under the influence hundreds of times. Like it was, every, you know, all the time. So um, drugs, you know, um, you, you, you know, if you get some drugs, you're, you know, 
keep some, you sell some, you know what I mean? It's not like I was like some major drug dealer, but you know, you tend to, when it ha that's how kind of how it works. You get a big pile and then you know, somebody wants some, you can't give it to them for free, whatever. But um, yeah, different drugs, narcotics, you know, um, cocaine, acid, um, a lot of heavy, I ended up getting in a lot of heavy drugs, you know? And so those are things that, you know, that's definitely a risk with the law. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Campbell says I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's uh, man, it's a hard life to live, isn't it? Cause you can't really, you can't really, you know, keep down a regular job. Um, and it ends up consuming you. So where, where did that lead to next? You said that you, this was through high school and then you made a run at, at college that, that didn't work out so well. So what happened there? So, you know, I always had wanted to be an engineer. And so I went to Penn state and, um, I just, I, you know, first semester doing real pretty well, A's and B's. And then I just got into the party scene and, you know, I was always looking for someone to party with. And, um, I started just cutting classes, like almost never going. And so obviously my next report card was like all D's and, uh, I failed quite a few classes actually. And I was like, you, it was like a night and day, pretty crazy, pretty wild. Um, and then I took some summer classes and I did okay. Cause most other people were gone. It was just me. And, a, but then I realized I was like, my dad was putting up half of the money for the tuition and I was like, I'm wasting his money, you know? And I was like, I was starting to feel pretty bad about it. So I was like, I can't take another semester and put his money at risk again. So, um, I dropped out, went home back to live with him and believe it or not, I saw a Nate, I saw a commercial about the Navy on TV. Oh, <laughs> the commercial worked, <laughs> huh? The commercial advertisement, and um, <laughs> I, I should remember, they've been through so many different uh, slogans from then, but I, I can't remember if it was like uh, full speed ahead, or I can't remember. But So I, I called the Navy recruiter, I remember, and interestingly, when I failed, I guess it's when I dropped out of college that I think that's about whenever I stopped smoking weed, too, because... I don't know. Maybe just maybe that was the the bottom point I needed to be like you don't need you know this stuff is messing you up. But for some reason, at the point in which I contacted the the recruiter, I had been six months sober. I hadn't had touched the stuff because you can't go in the military unless you pass a drug test. So um, yeah, yeah, so I I quickly got um, signed up and i was in delayed entry of course i got i did get in trouble while i was in delayed entry i got a disorderly conduct and underage drinking which had to be adjudicated at the magistrate so i almost like lost my program um and everything and i was like oh my goodness wow. but then somehow by a miracle and like I, I don't know if this was just god like causing me to get to this path you know or getting me out of town <laughs> where i needed to go so but then, yeah, I went to the Navy. Uh, I was 20 years old at the time. Went to boot camp. Mm. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that sounds like, uh, you know, you give a young man a purpose and something to live for. That's usually a pretty good thing for him. 
Yeah, and I was I started doing electronics, and that's what I was studying in college. So in the Navy, offered electronics program, and I was like, okay, this is so. And, and actually, the commercial talked about electronics, and it talked about money for college, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a, those are the two things I think that I was needing at the time. You were sold. <laughs> so did you um, did you get out of the Navy everything that the commercial told you you would? <laughs> well. I got a lot more than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was quite a quite a ride. I did 20 years in the Navy, a lot of sacrifice. Um, when I came to you, it was because I was moving around for the Navy. When I, uh, you know, um, I, so I did 20 years. Um, I, I did get, after I retired, I got two bachelor's degrees, which were completely paid for by the Navy. So... Not yeah, bad. I got that, and um, and I got the, I'm, my current job now. Uh, I'm using my experience I had in the Navy and the technical side, and uh, working on some, you know, engineering type stuff. So yeah, sounds like it worked out all right. So, um, but uh, what I know about uh, the Navy is uh, is that it doesn't solve all of your personal problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was it like for you when you went into to boot camp and what, what kind of changes did you see in yourself? So when I went into boot camp, I was so used to sleep until like 2 p.m. every day because I would just stay up, part, you know, whatever, <laughs> and, I, and, and then I sleep till 2 a.m. Now all of a sudden I got to get up at 6 o'clock every day and it hurt. Like the first couple weeks oh, was just, just brutal. And I went to Great Lakes during uh, during the winter, January of twenty or yeah of uh, nineteen ninety eight, and uh, there was an ice storm. Everything was glazed over, and, I, and it was just and I got sick. I even got sick. I had to stay in my bunk for like a few days. I had like a sore throat and different things. But um, overall, I I think it really helped me because there's one thing I didn't get a lot of at home. It was discipline. And mm. I was lacking in getting that. And so it kind of added that, threw that in there. You know, I was always um, active. I was always like, uh, if there's something to do, I do it, you know, and stuff like that. I wasn't lazy, really. But I'd just stay up late and sleep in late. And um, that, so that, that changed a lot when that happened. Yeah, yeah did, did, it, uh, did it put, the, put a stop to your partying lifestyle? Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, I, I, I still um, was drinking uh, quite a bit. And that, that actually, so the alcoholism, it, that, that continued on actually all the way till I got saved. Uh, so I joined the Navy when I was 20. I got saved when I was 29. And um, I was an alcoholic all the way up till I got saved. It's amazing that, you know, that you could maintain that and still, you know, have a career in the Navy. But I guess there's something to the the drunken sailor thing. Yeah, there's some sympathy. Every people, and, and if you work hard, they'll cover for you. You know, I there was one time yeah. where the the cardinal sin is missing an underway. That's when the ship goes out and you're not on it, but you're supposed to be. That's the cardinal cardinal sin, and it happened to me one time. And I was drinking, oh, wow. and I was hungover, and I didn't wake up, and I went down, and the ship was out. And I was like, oh, man, Ugh. I missed it. And um, it was only out for the day, thank goodness. It wasn't a major deployment or anything, but uh, they gave me a slap on the wrist. 
you know i was mm. i was on a small ship my first ship had uh 30 men it was all male crew small ship 30 men and we all wore a lot of different hats had a lot of responsibilities and you know i was just one of those hard workers i would work all day until working's done you know and then i would go get beer or alcohol and drink and it was just a that's what we that's what happened over and over and over and um but they they forgave me for missing that. Most people, if you miss that, you get a reduction in pay grade. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess if if, if you uh, if you're the one that uh, is in the place that nobody else wants to be, you're you're doing more work than anybody else. They they need you. Yeah, yeah. If they would have, I don't know what would have happened if they would have smacked me down. But my my Navy career went really good. I I. Um, that ship and then I went and did some recruiting tour I did a recruit I did two recruiting tours I did one right after that ship I went to uh, Pittsburgh and recruited then I went to another ship and I, I, I made chief I became a chief in the Navy at um, nine years in which is really fast I was a junior guy with a higher rank and uh, it took me a while to learn and really feel comfortable in those shoes like years but it helped. Mm -hmm. It was the same year that I got saved. I got, I made chief. I, um, and so I got saved in April of 2007. Um, I was supposed, the ship was going to this, uh, this, uh, overseas, um, de mini deployment called Neptune warrior, where they go up to like, like, uh, Ireland and England and all these places. And everybody wants to go there. Right. I wanted to go there. Like I'm Irish. I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. And they said, uh, McFeeders, we're, we're selecting you to go to this school and you're going to miss Neptune warrior because the school is during Neptune warrior. And I was like, no, how can you, how can they do this mm. to me? So that was, that was probably right before I got saved, by the way, was that mind thinking. And so I stayed back for this school. Well, I was able to put together an administrative package while I was in the school to, to mail in to the chief selection board and it greatly increased my chances and I probably got selected because I set such a really good package because I was in the school. Um, so mm. I see that as a little bit of like the fingerprint of God, you know, and then, uh, yeah. and then, I, and then I did get selected um, to, to be a chief and we deployed. Uh, so I got saved in Norfolk, Virginia, right? And the, the church, Pastor Morales was there, and I got saved uh, April 2007. Um, I got uh, baptized in August. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in September during a Pastor Roman Gutierrez uh, Twice Dead revival. Um, so it was like, wow. And then, I, and then I deployed that September, September 15th, like a week or two later. Whoa. Yeah, so, but the thing is, when I got deployed... It was like almost like I now had no distractions, and I my mind my heart was on God, and so I had a, I had a Bible, I had some um, some good Christian books, a couple of John Bevere books, you know, Undercover, and you know these books. Uh, my brother actually gave me those, um, and then I and I had some CDs, some sermon CDs, and I still remember them, you know. Uh, Pastor Campo from Cape Cod, um, Pastor Lobato from uh, Bullhead. I had these ones and they were just, they were like the one, like I could just listen to, I probably listened to them, you know, 20 times each at least. 
Right. And I was right. just feeding off of all that. So then um, they say, you know, you're an electronics technician chief. We got another one on the ship already. One of you has to go. He's senior. We're going to ask him what he wants to do. So they asked the guy and he said he wants to stay. So I had to go. And um, mm. I remember I was supposed to go to another ship, but I talked to the master chief and uh, he said, uh, he, 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 said uh, he said, I'll make the call for you because during my recruiting tour, they would give me a sea duty credit of 18 months if I went and did another recruiting tour. So I said, I'll do a recruiting tour. And he said, I'll make a call for you. And he didn't have to do it. He could have just sent me to another ship because they always just like, get to the next ship. You know, it's the Navy. Next ship. <laughs> yeah. Stay underway. Right. They want people at sea. But he's like, uh, he made the call for me. And I almost feel like that was the fingerprint of God, too, because he's like, just remember this. He's like, if you ever have to make a call for somebody someday, you know. And so I was mm -hmm. like, wow. So he did a big thing there. Um, and then I, that's when I got transferred up to Woodbridge which is my mother church. Uh, Pastor Colonna was there. Um, it was a baby church, like a handful of people. Um, and not and, and not too many were like consistent at the time either. It was just um, something I was able to walk into and uh, be part of prayer, be part of... Um, out, it's where I first went to prayer before service outreaches. I never did any of that in Norfolk because I was just getting saved and I wasn't really converted in doing those ex those extra things. Um, so that's where my discipleship really began. You know, the testimony yeah. of getting saved in Norfolk, getting set free from alcohol, gambling, pornography, cigarettes, profanity. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, I was a cussing sailor and all of a sudden I was able to control it and I stopped cussing. And so, yeah, wow. that's a big one. People don't realize it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, if if uh, if you don't mind, I, I just want to go back for a second be, to the the time frame, like before you actually got saved, and what were the circumstances that led up to that? No doubt, your mom is praying for you. Your brother, who had been saved, also uh, was praying for you. Um, but what was happening in you spiritually? And what led you to that moment of surrendering your life to Christ? Well, um, you know, Pastor Morales and probably some other people have said it, I'm sure, many a times is, you know, sin is only fun for a season. You know, it's going to, yep. uh, you know, take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. Right. And so um, I, I just debt was out of control debt. Um ruined relationships, uh, you know, just over alcohol and just, just being a drunk. And, um, I remember one night I, uh, I did, I, you know, you're not supposed to do this in the Navy, obviously, but I went, I did a I snorted a couple eight balls of cocaine with another guy. And, um, and then I went back, I was in that, I was in that school actually. And I went back to the to the, I was staying in a dorm room over by the school in Damneck, right over by you guys. And I yep, I went yep. and I um I remember I was in the I was in the room by myself and I put the blanket over my head like I was hiding from somebody, like from God, right? And I wow. really felt like I was like trying to cover myself, like really weird, 
and um and i was like something has to give and so um i remember going to a uh like a small baptist church um around the neighborhood and i went in and they had they were they were in there um you know they preached or whatever and then they asked you know anybody need to they did some kind of an altar call i can't remember what they said do you does anybody here need to need to have a prayer with jesus or something and so i did and i went to the front and they so you were feeling some conviction for your sins i was yeah and so i went to the front and and um they they asked me, have you been to church before? You know, and I told them about the time that those couple years with my mom. So they shooed right. me into like a back room with one of their guys, one of their lead guys or whatever. And he's asking me questions. Oh, you've been to that. This is, okay. He's like, okay, you're good. And I'm sitting there thinking like, no, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm not good. They did not pray with me. They did not. Oh, they did wow. not lead me in a sinner's prayer. Nothing. They thought because of what, like I was in a church when I was 10 to 12 years old. I think I might've even got baptized in the river or something that I was good after, but like the mm. 15 to 20 years of sin in between then was like weighing on me heavy. And so then it, um, that school that I was at, uh, Lily Hagen, who's in Norfolk invited me out to me and another guy, um, she was our teacher. She was our instructor. Invited us out oh, to wow. uh, church, and I'm the one that went. So that was that was how I got there. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So when you showed up in the Norfolk Church, what what was going on there? Oh well, I didn't know. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. They were having flaming revival. They were yeah. having like like earth shaking revival. They have, they had all these disciples in there. Um, and like people were getting saved, like lots of people all the time. And, uh, it was, it was where I needed to be when I answered the altar call. And but, it, you said this is 2005, 2007, seven. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so this must've been really, um, not long after, uh, after Pastor Morales got in there, because it sounds about around the same time, I think. Yes, I believe so. I believe uh, he must have got yeah. there around 0506, and I know um, okay. he had sent Pastor Colonna to Northern Virginia around 06, and then I... Okay, so so you came in after he was already gone. Yes, and so... Or already yeah, launched so out. interestingly... Whenever they would pray before service, they'd have this, you know, hey, we're praying for so-and-so in Alexandria, Virginia. I never met him before. But when I was deployed, when, there was a couple options of places I could go, and Alexandria, Virginia was one of the places. And I was like, there's a, there's a church there. And so I, went that, so I picked Alexandria, uh, wow. Virginia, knowing there was a church there. So when I showed up at my job, I was a recruiting station on Franconia Road, that I could probably with a good golf swing hit where his building was from where I was working. He, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Divine appointments, yes. right? Well, uh, Adam, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you to, um, to describe the radical change. You, you, you rattled off of a few of the things that God set you free from the pornography and alcohol and, and, uh, cussing and, um, 
I mean, just describe that, what, what that was like for you as a 27-year-old guy to have such a radically different kind of lifestyle in a very short amount so, of time. So I was 29 when I got saved. Oh, sorry, yeah. 29. And so interestingly, I remember when I was uh, when I was a teenager, I used to tell people that I wouldn't live to the, probably wouldn't live to the age of 30. And I got saved at 29 and a half. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Somehow that, that means something to you, it obviously. Does. It's, it's very powerful <laughs> yeah. thought, thinking like yeah. maybe it's a good thing I got saved. Uh, maybe something bad might have happened if I didn't. I, I don't know. But um, yeah. so anyways, um, I get saved. You know, the next the – next, um, that was April. The oh, so they did pray with you in the North. Oh yeah, they prayed with me. I think I answered the <laughs> altar call like four times. I really do. Yeah. For and I was bawling yeah. every time. I was like a baby. I was like that. Who's this grown wow. guy? You know. Hey, chief, yeah. get up. You know? <laughs> oh but man! Like it was. You yeah. know, I was just. My heart was just so. Uh, I don't know. I was just completely set free. I was so grateful. Um, I felt that I really literally felt all my sins taken away. It was such a burden wow. lifted off of me. And that's probably why, you know, I was breaking down like that. Um, but, uh, and then, so that was 07. So in 08, I go back to the family reunion. So the 07 family reunion in Memorial Day, which we they did every year, I was drinking but on Saturday night, it was a super late at night. I was walking in the middle of the field. I had a, I had a Corona, took this last drink of the Corona, it was empty. I looked at the Corona, I looked up at the sky and like the moon and the stars were out there and God was like, you don't need those anymore. And I literally remember I threw that bottle of Corona down and I have not had a single drink of alcohol since then. Wow. Yeah. And so the next year though, um, at the family reunion, the big buzz was everyone's got to get at them drinking, you know? So I show up and I'm drinking, you know, Coca-Cola. They notice I'm just drinking sodas. Everyone's noticing. They're all freaking out. Like what's going on here? <laughs> it's, it's family challenge. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they waited until, until the evening. So it got late. It started getting dark. There was a campfire and um, a bunch of my, my brother and all my cousins are all sitting around it, girlfriends and wives and different things. And so they come up with these um, peach schnapps. If you know peach schnapps, it's kind of your good tasting. It's like having a piece of candy or something, right? So they thought they'd wait till it got dark and they'd try to get me with the peach schnapps up by the fire, try to put a bunch of peer pressure on me. So <laughs> I'm up there. Like family does, like, right? <laughs> it was almost like... Every, like, you know, when the record stops, they're like, hey, I got the peach schnapps. Hey, Adam, how about a peach schnapps? And everyone's starting to say, yeah, how about a peach schnapps? You know, it literally was like this. It was like all this pressure was coming. And I said, um, I said, you know what? Um, I, I said, you know what? Um, I gave my, my life to, to Jesus last year and, uh, you know, I don't drink anymore. And, and everyone just froze, like probably jaws open and all this different stuff. And this, I remember this one, my one cousin's girlfriend, who we, this was the first time we ever seen her. She, he brought her to this one from New York, you know. She speaks up and says, that's cool. I can respect that. 
and I won. I had victory. I had dominion. Wow. It was over. Just one witness. Just one person to <laughs> just say that, and it was over. That's like, <laughs> that's like the that's like the preacher in church. All I need is one amen. <laughs> yeah. So I will remember that forever because it was like God made a way out. You know. They were really trying to get me back d- down. Like, how dare you get up out of this crab bucket, you know? <laughs> mm, and, right. Um, and so some of those uh, relatives and cousins have uh, have gotten saved between now, then and now. And, um, you know, some are still working on that. But I, I really think that was, like, earth-shaking. Interestingly, a few moves. A few more family reunions after that, my grandmother got saved. I did a Bible study at the family reunion, and my brother was supporting me, and I was thinking, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to come. They're all going to get saved. And I go around, and all, all the cousins are drinking. Nah, no thank you, no thank you. You know, They're like, uh, my one cousin was like, uh, the Bible, he's like, aren't there like a lot of cool war stories in there? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess kind of. And uh, so anyway, I was about to go do the Bible study, which is me, my brother and his wife. And then all of a sudden um, my one cousin says, granny wants to come. And so um, uh, she came and I, I did a, I did a, uh, a Bible study called in God's image. And I remember, you know, well, hey, what do you think God's going to look like? And she's like, I think I'm the closest one probably to meeting him. You know, she's old, right? And she's like, and she's saying this yeah. stuff. And anyway, at the end, she said a sinner's prayer. And uh, she went, I believe she went off to be with Jesus, you know. And it was a couple years later she passed. And um, before that, she was kind of a Presbyterian, quasi drinking, smoking, yeah, yeah. not really living for God. Right. She was the heart really right. You know what I mean? But then she said that right. prayer. And I think she meant it, and I think everything changed after that. Oh, man. How, how old was she? Do you remember? So at that time, she passed in 2014. That would have been 2012 or 2013. So maybe like 80, 82, maybe. 80. Yeah. I wish I knew better. I, I, I should know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then you know what? That also was the last family reunion. Is that right? The last one. They stopped doing them. They were doing them for decades. And wow. Man, I don't, it wasn't my fault. I didn't tell them to stop doing it, but it stopped. For some yeah. reason, it stopped. Yeah. yeah. It was just a... Yeah, maybe you should start them back up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind coming to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so you are then, you're, you're, you kind of take off like a rocket ship, um, but uh, what, what I know is true is that every new convert has challenges and difficulties that they're going to go through in spiritual battles. Um, maybe you could describe for, for our listeners some of the things that, that you had to really overcome. Well, um, like I mentioned, I was in heavy debt whenever I got saved and, um, financial wreck, um, over 30 grand in debt, almost all of it like revolving credit cards and stuff like that. Couldn't pay my bills. Um, so I had to learn how to be responsible with money. Mm. Yeah. And so, 
Not a small thing. Yeah, it was it was not a small thing. But you know, with the wisdom of God, um, from I started giving. You know, I started giving. Uh, initially, I was just giving offerings. Then I started giving tithe, and uh, God started moving mountains. I started seeing a lot of miracles with money. I remember um, just when I had that debt all paid off, it was about four years after I got saved, my debt was down to zero. And I was like, yes, you know, wow. I was reading books. I was um, following, you know, the Dave Ramsey, right? Financial Peace University. I started keeping a budget, started just practical wisdom stuff, but also just always giving. I was giving to God, you know, um, faithfully. Yeah. And he's just helping me. And it wasn't long after that, I was able to actually buy a home. Um, it was in 2010, I bought a home. Um, I forget, my credit score was finally like up in the high sixes or something. I mean, it was like in the mid fives when I got, when I was getting saved and I was just, everything was crashing and burning. But it came up, I bought a home. And, um, you know, it was just like the blessing of God, right? In the church, there was like three of, there was three of us men who all bought a home about the same time. And we we're all like in the same level of our walk of faith. And that's Pastor Kevin Ashley, who's in Laurel, Maryland, and Joseph Schoonover, who was in Manassas. And now he's really doing a lot of help, almost like, like assisting in Woodbridge. Um, we all like had the same thing going on, you know, we were at the, we were rock bottom financially. And then we started putting God first and we all started tithing, giving, and we all bought homes. So it was like a really good news story to, to yeah. bounce back financially and, um, get the credit score up. You know how it is these days. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that is that you were probably making pretty good money the whole time. You know, your income it's, as a chief in the Navy, I'm sure is, is wasn't too wasn't too shabby, hopefully. But uh, but it's just the mindset had to change. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, even just being an alcoholic in a, in a cigarette smoker, I mean, that'll that'll gobble up like uh, five hundred thousand bucks a month or something. I can't believe how much, man, you buy a, I, I don't buy, I go to Wawa, you know, and I, I see people buying a pack of cigarettes for $7. I'm like, oh my gosh. Bad. That's You're paying a high price for sin. Golly. <laughs> to destroy yourself. Straight you know? stupidity. If I had all that money back. <laughs> right. But I pray, I, I, I would pray God, you know, restore because God's able to restore even that which with the yeah. enemy is stolen away before, and then you get it back. And I remember I came back from a, uh, I was doing some counseling at a team, one of the team boot camps in North Carolina. And um, the, uh, I, I opened my mailbox. It's like a Saturday morning. I, we finished the boot camp Friday night. I was weary. I drove all the way home. I was super tired. I look in my mailbox and there's a check in there for over $6,000. And I'm like, shaking it like is this rubber check is this, is this <laughs> what is this thing is this real and i didn't think it was real at all and i went to bed and i was like that must have been a dream and so but anyway i i uh i got in a lot of trouble with mbna which is a credit card company back in the day uh they, i believe they got sold into either capital one or bank of america but um i got in a lot of trouble with that because they had me in a snag so 
my credit limit, I would reach the credit limit, I'd go over it, they'd hit me with like a fine for an overage fee and a fine for a late fee. And they just kept it was, and then they would raise it and I would go up to that. They'd hit me again. I, they were just, they just mm. were walking the dog and just beating me to death, you know, all. And so apparently what they were doing was wrong, illegal. And some, somebody got a hold of mm. it and found out and they wrote me this check back for $6,000 for illegally doing like late fees and they over extent, you know, over limit fees. That was, that was a big wow. day. I was like, my goodness, my God, he, he answers with fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, that's a, a huge struggle. And, um, you know, there, there's people who are fill our churches and, uh, that don't get this revelation about generosity. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's amazing. You can almost point them out. The ones that are subsisting that, you know, it's like they're, they're just always in the quicksand of having to, having to, you know, wait till Friday, you know, <laughs> until payday comes. But, um, yeah, it's such a profound revelation when you realize that, uh, you know, that when God is the supplier, when he is Jehovah Jireh, when he's the one and you recognize him as such, you know, he's able to, to do more than we could ever do in our own, just strength is budgeting and, you know, the strategies of life. So you, you experienced that. Oh, big time. Um, I remember I went to a conference in uh, Cape Cod in 2009 and, um, I gave, I gave big offering like world evangelism night. Boom. I, you know, I dropped a big check in the, in the plate. And then I gave the other nights of, you know, conference you give every night and, and then, uh, you know, then you're buying some souvenirs, some food and this and that. And I remember I was on the way back home and I started calculating everything. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> those checks aren't going to clear. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, you know, I had this. I was still learning right then. So but I get home and I open my mailbox and there's a check in there for two hundred fifty dollars. And it covered what my checks were all going to clear for. And. That was really big too, because look at the timing. That check. What if it didn't come for three more weeks? The, check, the other checks bounced. Right. It came. It was there waiting for me. It was almost like God was like, "I got your back, and I can put a check in your mailbox anytime I want to." And so, right. yeah, I guess those are a couple of check in the mailbox stories, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll take as many as I can get. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. Yeah, so I still have uh, questions to ask you about um, how how God began to call you into ministry, and um, there's a little lady called Christina that is part of this story also. I want to ask you about her, but uh, we're going to say goodbye to our free subscribers real quick and take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the story. So if you want to hear the rest of this, make sure you get hit the subscribe button, and thanks for listening to the BBPH Sermon Podcast. <laughs> 